Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. Glad to have you with me. Now, listen, uh, out of the gate, I'm going to give you the number, but don't expect me to take your phone call for just a little bit because I got a lot of audio we've got to digest this morning after what happened over the weekend. And no, I'm not talking about Will Smith. Uh, The phone number is 877-973-7425. We've got to talk about the president. Oh. So let let, let me pull back the curtain a little bit for you. A lot of people in my orbit on this radio show like the fact that I try to do as much analysis as I can instead of just tossing red meat to the ground. And frankly, I find it annoying too, and I used to be that guy. But uh, you you lose a lot of the depth and a lot of the uh, breadth of topics when you do. But occasionally... You know, I am a conservative. I am a Republican. I have referred to Joe Biden as Grandpa Dementia, and it has infuriated people. Infuriated a lot of people. You're better than that. No, actually, I'm not. I, I, I you know, I, I say it flippantly, somewhat in jest, a lighthearted moment where people have no humor, but you're insulting the president. Well, actually, the president's insulting our intelligence. Grandpa Dementia struck again and this time it's a really big deal you can kind of see why he ran his campaign in the basement of his house unwilling to go out regularly on the campaign trail except in highly highly scripted events joe biden made three escalating faux pas on his trip to europe I bet you barely even heard about the first two. The last one was so big. What's so alarming is a lot of the people who condemned every time Donald Trump went off the cuff and said something stupid or alarming, threatening to bomb countries and the like, they're all doubling down, circling the wagons around Joe Biden. Like, oh, no, he didn't mean to say that. Essentially, they're saying take Joe Biden seriously, not literally. Let me give you the three flubs from Joe Biden. First, Joe Biden suggested American soldiers would be going to Ukraine to stand between the Ukrainian people and the Russian tanks. He actually did that. Second, Joe Biden was asked, if the Russians use chemical weapons in Ukraine, what will our response be? And he said, and I quote, we will respond in kind. Joe Biden said we would respond to Russians' use of new, of chemical weapons. We would respond in kind. And third, Joe Biden said, for God's sake, Vladimir Putin cannot remain in power. Called it regime change. I have to tell you, the number of blue check mark people on social media and Democratic acolytes and pundits who wanted to throw their panties at Joe Biden in the Polish uh, palace for saying that it was a Reagan moment. It was like Reagan, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. It was Kennedy-esque, they said. My gosh, the, the thigh sweats. I mean, you got all these men in Washington wanting to throw their panties at Joe Biden for saying Mr. Uh, Putin, he cannot remain in power. It was Reagan-esque. It was like Ronald Reagan's Mr. Gorbachev tear down that wall. 
except Ronald Reagan had it in the text of his speech and his White House did not walk it back. Within minutes, within minutes of Joe Biden saying, for God's sakes, this man cannot remain in power, the White House was scrambling to undo the damage that Grandpa Dementia had done. He escalated the war in Ukraine and in doing so, took a path out of Ukraine for Vladimir Putin, suggesting that Vladimir Putin needs to go as a policy for NATO in the United States. And all that's going to mean is Vladimir Putin doubles down. In fact, the shelling has intensified in Ukraine today. A dictator bent on rebuilding an empire will never erase a people's love for liberty. Brutality will never grind down their will to be free. Ukraine will never be a victory for Russia, for free people refused to live in a world of hopelessness and darkness. We will have a different future, a brighter future, rooted in democracy and principle, hope and light, of decency and dignity, of freedom and possibilities. For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. It was a good speech until he got to the end and he added that. It was not in the text. It was not approved. He did it on his own, and he caused an international crisis. Don't believe me? This is how Dana Bash opened CNN's State of the Union yesterday. Dana Bash in Washington, where the State of Our Union is, wondering if President Biden meant what he said. You're watching a special two-hour edition of State of the Union. The president is back in Washington this morning after a major trip to Europe to meet with allies. He delivered a speech yesterday in Poland, harshly condemning Russian President Vladimir Putin and describing the war as a battle between, quote, democracy and autocracy. But it's this ad-libbed line at the end of his speech that's raising eyebrows around the world. Eyebrows around the world. In fact, she had to ask the NATO ambassador about his statement. You concerned that by walking back the president's comments, you and other administration officials may be undermining him on the world stage at a really critical moment. I think we all feel great about how the last couple of days have gone. It was important to get the president here to Europe. He had several important meetings in Brussels with NATO leaders, with the G7, with the European Union. It was important for him also to go to Poland. He visited a city very close to the border with Ukraine. He was able to join a meeting with both the Ukrainian foreign minister and the Ukrainian defense minister. And then he was able to sit down with President Duda and talk about what Poland is doing doing in this moment, literally taking millions of refugees into their country. Uh, Good dodge. Here's a little more. Julianne Smith, the NATO ambassador for the United States. Well, look, the president had spent the day visiting with Ukrainian refugees. He went to the National Stadium in Warsaw and literally met with hundreds of Ukrainians. He heard their heroic stories as they were fleeing Ukraine in the wake of Russia's brutal war in Ukraine. In the moment, I think that was a principled human reaction to the stories that he had heard that day. But no, as you've heard from Secretary Blinken and others, the U.S. does not have a policy of regime change in Russia. Full stop. (laughs) Oh, the fact that you have to clarify this and they weren't done with the poor NATO ambassador. 
Well, look, before the war, obviously, we were laying out the consequences in pretty explicit detail with the hope that President Putin would take an alternative course. We were trying in that moment to sharpen his choice. Mm -hmm. We were also at that moment moving U.S. force posture into Eastern Europe also to help sharpen his choice. Unfortunately, he opted for war and now he's feeling the consequences. That was the NATO ambassador having to clear up uh, whether or not Joe Biden's sanctions were meant to deter Russia from Ukraine. Still having to deal with that one in addition to regime change. Ro Kahana from Congress, Democrat. John, let me be very clear. The United States policy is not regime change. It's a negotiated end to this war. Now look, when Putin in Maripol is bombing theaters with 300 kids there, where there's a sign saying children, and he's bombing that, any human being would express frustration. And the president was speaking from his heart, but it's not the U.S. policy to seek regime change. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. He, he said, he said it was, was regime change, that, that for God's sakes, this man cannot remain in power. Vladimir Putin cannot remain in power. No, no, that's that's not what he actually meant. Yes, it's what he said. It's not what he meant. Here's Senator Tom Cotton, who's a foreign policy hawk from the right. President Biden seemed to ad lib there. Uh, he said something that Vladimir Putin will now use uh, as his own for his own reasons to say, see, I told you all along that the United States and NATO wants to attack Russia, wants to topple our government. Um, yet then his staff immediately turned around and walked it back. So you get the worst of all possible worlds. Unfortunately, this is fairly common with Joe Biden, uh, is that he, he makes these statements, they have an effect in the world, then the staff immediately walks them back, and that has an effect in the world as well. It is not reassuring for our safety or to our allies. Y'all, it was, President Biden's speech was actually a very good speech. I mean, I, I could be a partisan and I could I could quibble with parts of it, but it was a good speech until the very end. And it is the end of that speech that will overshadow the whole speech. The RNC has put together a quick montage here so you get the sense of this. All of Biden's major news, and this is the problem here. Objectively speaking, in a world where there's not much objectivity left, objectively speaking, the problem here is that Joe Biden made three really major news headlines and all three of them had to be clarified by the White House to say he didn't mean it. God's sake, this man cannot remain power. The White House trying to make clear in the aftermath or making very clear in the aftermath he was not, in fact, calling for regime change. And you're going to see when you're there, some of you have been there, you're going to see, you're going to see women Young people stand on stand in the middle of the front of a damn tank. White House officials are telling us that President Biden does not intend to send U.S. troops into Ukraine. If chemical weapons were used in Ukraine, would that trigger a military response from NATO? It would trigger a response in kind. The United States has no intention of using chemical weapons, period, under any circumstance. Oh, this was not good. And, and here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. It was a good speech, but it, it's the, the damage is done. What do you think Putin's going to do with that remark? It's going to be a rally around the Russian flag moment in Russia over that remark. 
It was an ad-libbed portion of the end of the speech. It was not in the text of the speech. Joe Biden said it, and now the White House is like, well, we, what he really means is he needs to be out of power in Ukraine. Well, he's not in power in Ukraine. That's the whole point of, the war, of, of this war. He wants to be in power in Ukraine. This was not good. What is remarkable are the number of leg humpers on the left who want to defend it and say it was something. This is Dino Badella. I think he used to be a comedian, but he wasn't funny, so now he writes unfunny pieces at CNN. President Joe Biden concluded his powerful speech this weekend in Poland about Vladimir Putin's barbaric attack on Ukraine with the line about the Russian leader, for God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. White House officials later sought to make it clear Biden was not calling for regime change, but it was no gaffe. Biden is 100% correct. Putin should not remain in power. Wait a second. So uh, the White House makes clear that uh, Biden's not calling for regime change, but it wasn't a gap. Biden's correct. What? No, this makes no sense. You and I can say Vladimir Putin needs to go. I think he should go. But the president of the United States saying so on a global stage? Ronald Reagan said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. He did not say Soviet people have a coup and throw him out. This was bad. And if you can't understand that it's bad, please hand in your intellectual honesty card if you lamented all the crazy things Donald Trump said. Because I called Donald Trump out on the crazy stuff about bombing other countries and said it was going to cause instability. But a lot of you who called him out then are willing to circle the wagons around Joe Biden now. What's good for one side should be good for the other side, if you're intellectually honest. And a lot of you who screamed about the need for intellectual honesty and screamed about the need for Donald Trump to stop winging it, you're perfectly happy with Joe Biden doing the same thing. And this, unlike Donald Trump, is in the midst of an actual war. It wasn't good. Joe Biden probably does need to go back to the basement and stay there. Okay, I, I want to state something that should be obvious that may not be obvious for people. I like a high thread count sheet, but if the threads are crap, the sheet's going to be crap no matter how many uh, threads you need. It just, it, it's, it's amazing how people want to highlight that. And the reason I highlight this is because Bolin Branch makes high quality sheets and they're not a bajillion, majillion thread count either. But their threads are super high quality. They use 100% organic cotton threads. They give super softness. You get a better night's sleep. They're not just buttery, soft, and breathable, impossibly soft to start. They get softer with every wash. I can attest to this. Every time you wash them, they just seem to get a little softer. And they hold up so well over the long term. You know, I'm on... Gosh, maybe my second set of Bull and Branch sheets in, in a decade. So they just hold up so well. They're a quality product, and they give you such a good night's sleep. Oh, my gosh. They're so fantastic. I really do love these sheets, and I love Bull and Branch. You can, too. They are fantastic. They're so luxurious. Three U.S. presidents sleep under Bull and Branch sheets. So you can get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC at BowlinBranch.com. That's B-O-L-L. A-N-D branch.com. The promo code is Eric. Get a good night's sleep under Bowling Branch Sheets. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I'll start taking your phone calls when we come back from break. This segment's not long enough to do justice to your phone calls. And I got to play you a clip. 
because I've noticed this a number of times lately, and it, it's it's kind of bugging me. I want to play you this audio. This is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She, it's actually her on Instagram talking to her faithful, and I'm struck by something that she says, and I, I want you to listen to this. Take all three months and eight weeks right at the jump, right after you have your child. You can take a month right after you have your child and then bank it. It all does need to be used within the first year after having a child. And we do tend to find that, for example, um, dads, because we give it to all parents, whether you are the birthing parent, adoptive parent, whatever. Um, So dads sometimes like to take that first month and then their spouses will, um, you know, uh, take you know time off and then maybe they'll try to take additional time off after their spouse's leave is expired or they'll take leave while their spouse is taking leave but it's up to you uh- now she was explaining just uh parental leave and, and and the rules around parental leave what i find fascinating here is is she is a member of the squad she's an absolute progressive she doesn't use husbands and wives she uses spouse She doesn't use the word mother. She uses the phrase birthing parent. But she still says dad. She still says dad. So dads, I guess, is is the the phrase you give to the non-birthing person. But we got to get rid of the phrase mom. Can't say wife. Can't say mother. Birthing person. These are the early days of this religion sorting itself out, and they're they're trying to figure out their orthodoxy. You know, in the early days of Christianity, you would have these councils, the Council of Nicaea being one of the most famous, um, Council of Constantinople, there was one. Um, there, there were a number of, of other councils in the early church. Uh, Protestants and Catholics and Orthodox all kind of agree on the first four or five, and then they deviate thereafter as to which are binding or not. Uh, the Catholics that had the Council of Trent and, and a few others moving forward, but they settled on orthodoxy. Well, these groups aren't going to get together these days to, to, to have some sort of planning meeting to discuss their terminology because they don't consider themselves a religion, even though they have all of the tenets of a religion, including the language of religion. What's so fascinating is how they so quickly were willing to ditch mother, but won't ditch dad. Now, you can say I'm extrapolating too much out of one video. It's That's fine, except they've been doing this for a very long time, writing moms out, writing girls out. Apparently, uh, the, the end game for the feminist movement in America is for women and moms to no longer matter. Boys can now take your sports trophies, and birthing people can take your children. It just makes no sense, but this is the world in which we live. Hi there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Alan Sanders pinged me during uh, the the commercial break and thought it was very funny. I got to agree with him. Uh, Joe Biden, think about all of the Joe Biden flubs. He suggested we would use chemical weapons and all the like. Take all of Joe Biden's flubs in Europe this week, suggesting we would respond to a Russian chemical weapons attack by using chemical weapons, suggesting he was going to send American soldiers to Ukraine, but not really, 
and then calling for regime change in Russia, and then, oops, my bad, didn't mean it. Can you imagine how much worse it would have been if Kamala Harris was there? <laughs> or, I mean, honestly, Harris is probably at home thinking, what? They get mad at me and my flubs? I've never tried to start World War III. Good gracious. The things that uh, the president and vice president of the United States both say that get both of them in trouble, I don't know that Kamala could have done. I, look, say what you will. The woman sticks to the teleprompter usually. I don't think she would have ended up with a regime change call in Russia. She just said something just stupid, like um, comparing the Ukrainian refugee crisis to the southern border. Oh, wait, Joe Biden did that too. The fact that you have so many, so many Ukrainians seeking refuge in, the, in this, in this uh, country of Poland. We understand that because we have in our southern border thousands of people a day, literally, not figuratively, trying to get into the United States. Um, last I checked, those people aren't coming because Russia invaded their country and bombed their cities. Oh boy. Well, it's not good for Joe Biden. Um, it, it's, it's things are continue to trend terribly for him. The NBC news polling out oof. by a fairly large 71 to 28% margin. Americans say they do not have a lot of confidence in president Biden's ability to respond to this war. 57% say we are already at war with Russia or will be within a year. A very pessimistic view. 34% disagree. What's more, 68% would prefer Mr. Biden make the economy his top priority, compared with just 29% who want him to focus on ending this war. Overall, President Biden's job approval stands at just 40%, with 55% disapproving. This is his worst showing yet in our poll since he became president. Now, what's even worse about the NBC poll we really probably need to talk a little bit more in depth about this NBC news poll because NBC has historic polling data that you can compare things to. Uh, so for example, uh, the generic balloting poll right now has the GOP 46% over the Democrats at 44%. That's the NBC news poll. What's notable is that in, um, 2014, the GOP did not lead the generic ballot until towards the end. In 2012 and 2014, the Democratic wound up leading on the final generic ballot, even though the GOP won. In 2010, Republicans trailed most of the way until the very end. It was an R plus two at the end. The generic ballot changes here are pretty significant for the GOP because NBC historically uses the same modeling. So for NBC to have the Republicans ahead on the generic ballot now, when in 2010 was a massive Republican wave, they were not hit, were not ahead on the generic ballot until the last poll before the election. That's really bad. And the president has gotten no bounce. I mean, the, the ongoing uh, Real Clear Politics average, he's down 11.9%. Let me read you 
these. And again, remember, the Fox News poll has been the poll that had Biden uh, with approval numbers in the majority the longest. So when you hear that, just listen. This is These are the polls in the average. Quinnipiac, he's down 13. Monmouth, he's down 16. Uh, Ann Selzer, the dean of political polling, he's down 18. Emerson College, down 6. Morning Consult, down 13. Fox News, down 9. Economist YouGov, down 4. Reuters Ipsos, down 14. Rasmussen, down 13. NBC News, down 13. NBC News and Rasmussen agree with each other. Normally, I don't even mention Rasmussen because I'm just, I, I, I still question them as a pollster. I do. But NBC News and Rasmussen are are looking the same, except Rasmussen is with likely voters and NBC News is with registered voters. And if registered voters are down 13, it's probably down higher with likely voters. Registered voters are all people registered to vote. Likely voters are people who show a propensity to actually show up and vote. That's a big difference. There's just no good news out there, and now we've got the flub. What I find fascinating is you go back to uh, Chuck Todd and his opening here. Listen to this again from Chuck Todd at the beginning. By a fairly large 71 to 28% margin, Americans say they do not have a lot of confidence in President Biden's ability to respond to this war. Over 70%. Y'all, I keep saying it. I don't mean to be a broken record, but this is Afghanistan. The moment the polling decisively shifted for Joe Biden was Afghanistan. And ever since, people have viewed Joe Biden as both incompetent and lacking empathy. He's just incompetent and he's mean. They don't like Joe Biden anymore. The public has decisively flipped on him. And there's not a really good, easy way for him to come back on this largely because he can't get any wins. He can't get any wins out of Congress because the Republicans block stuff in the Senate. He'll get a Supreme Court judge. But by the way, the same NBC News poll on all of this has has polling out there on Ketanji Brown-Jackson for the Supreme Court, and something like 70% of America doesn't even know who she is. So for all the polling about a majority of Americans supporting her, no, majority of Americans have no clue who she is. These are just brutal numbers. By the, I'm reading now from NBC News' write-up about his own poll. Biden's overall job approval rating has declined to 40%, the lowest level of his presidency. The survey found Republicans enjoyed a two-point lead in answering which party should control Congress ahead of November's midterm elections. What this poll says is that President Biden and Democrats are headed for a catastrophic election, said Republican pollster Bill McInturf of Public Opinion Strategies, which conducted the survey with Democratic pollster John Horwood of Heart Research Associates. The poll was conducted March 18th and 22nd, before the trip to NATO where the president gave his big speech and flubbed it. The survey has some silver linings for Biden and Democrats including an increase in those who said they approved of his handling of COVID. Nearly 80% of Americans said they agreed with Biden's decision to ban Russian oil imports, even if it means higher gas prices. But what stands out in the poll is that the public hasn't rallied around Biden as a result of the war. Well, we're not engaged in the war. Of course not. These aren't good numbers for Joe Biden. But here's the remarkable thing. 
You know who else doesn't have good numbers? Donald Trump. Now, he's not president of the United States, and we shouldn't have to care. But uh, Donald Trump went to Georgia over the weekend to campaign for uh, David Perdue. Man, it's got to be bad down there. So uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, David Perdue was the senator who lost to John Ossoff, the guy who liked to dress up as Star Wars characters. The lost by about 90,000 votes, refused to stand on a debate stage with the guy, had one debate, it didn't go well, refused further debates, actually got caught snatching a cell phone out of a student's hand uh, as the student was trying to film him talk, Um, didn't go over well. And he has stood by Brian Kemp. In fact, behind the scenes, David Perdue and his team were very adamant that the election was not stolen after the election was over. Uh, they were infuriated by the uh, by Donald Trump's claims that the election were stolen in November of 2020. In fact, so infuriated were they, they, they were openly commenting that Trump was going to sabotage their election in January in that runoff. And in fact, Perdue lost by about 90,000 votes because 427,000 Republicans did not show up to vote. But Purdue, who up until about a month before deciding to run for governor in Georgia, declared he would support the incumbent Brian Kemp there, then got persuaded by Trump to run. The problem is that uh, Purdue has not been great on the campaign trail. He has not gotten large crowds anywhere. And he hadn't raised uh, much money. In fact, uh, Stacey Abrams has now raised more money in state than David Purdue. I'm going to say that again. Stacey Abrams has raised more money from people who live in Georgia than David Perdue. Ah, yeah, it's not good. So they hoped that they could bring Donald Trump to Georgia. They brought Donald Trump Jr. in, and Perdue was finally able to get a crowd. Now they brought Donald Trump in Saturday uh, to Commerce, Georgia. Easy to get to. Remember, the bulk of the GOP vote is in North Georgia. This is North Georgia right on the interstate. Should be easy to get to, and nobody showed up. I shouldn't say nobody showed up. Now, the Trump team says about 25,000 people showed up. That's the official line from the Trump team. No one else says that. Everyone else says about 5,000 people. If you look at the pictures, maybe 5,000 people showed up. People were walking out in the middle of Trump's speech. Oof. So what Trump did, Georgia is a unique situation because Trump decided to line up an entire slate of candidates. One of them is so weird. They're so, um, Trump doesn't like Chris Carr. Chris Carr, for those of you outside of Georgia, let me explain this to you because it's got implications for you, particularly those of you in Michigan. It looks like Trump's about to do this to you too. Um, Chris Carr is a very popular attorney general in the state of Georgia. Uh, He and his wife, very politically connected, very savvy, very good attorney general. But he didn't stop the steal, of course. So Trump had to find someone against him. So they were able to find a guy who's a businessman in Atlanta who used to be a lawyer and is not a lawyer and convinced him to get his, get get back into the practice of law to run for attorney general. Sounds like a very serious candidate for attorney general, does it not? In fact, this guy, uh, David Perdue, is apparently renting the guy's house. Now, Purdue had somebody show up at his house in Sea Island. David Purdue lived on a private island in a gated community on a private island gated community. It's very bizarre. Uh, beautiful house, had somebody offering cash for it. So they moved, and they're renting a house from this guy who's now running for attorney general who nobody's ever heard of. And that's kind of the problem for Trump. President Trump wants to potentially have a rebound in 2024. In fact, in Georgia, he said he may run again. 
there a lot of polls have come out that showed he would probably tie with Joe Biden, which is good for him because he's not there. But the problem here is that by picking a fight with Brian Kemp, who's a very popular governor, and with Chris Carr, who's a very popular attorney general in Georgia, he risks a bunch of headlines saying that he's lost when the primary gets here uh, in May. Now, these candidates who are running for insurance commissioner or attorney general, they don't have a lot of money. And Trump is not raising a lot of money nor giving a lot of money. Trump himself has raised a lot of money, but he's not giving big checks to any of these candidates. From what I'm told, Purdue and these people all had to foot the bill for this rally, which is going to eat into their reserves. And the audacity of it is that Donald Trump said he was going to rescue David Purdue. According to the headlines, the Trump team said it was a rescue mission. This is from the Atlanta Journal. A rescue mission, that's what several Republican operatives called Donald Trump's rally on Saturday, with Purdue trailing Brian Kim at the polls and in fundraising, he could use the help. But the jury is still out. Here's what we know. Purdue's struggling campaign is sharpening its tactics with the Mar- with the May 24th primary less than two months away. The former president, or the former U.S. Senator La- this week falsely claimed for the first time that he did not lose in the runoff. Then he doubled down that the both elections were stolen. And then he gave a thumbs up to the crowd, chanting, lock him up to Brian Kemp. Now, here's the problem here. Nationally, in Alabama, Mo Brooks has cratered and Trump endorsed him and has had to withdraw the endorsement. In North Carolina, Pat McCrory, the former governor there, is beating Ted Budd uh, despite Trump's support. In Georgia, the entire non-Trump team appears to be beating the Trump team. In Michigan now, the president looks like he may be getting in there trying to do in Michigan an entire slate of candidates like he is in Georgia, but offering no fundraising. And then down in Missouri, uh, there's one guy who's running there. Oh, what's his name? Last name Long. Uh, Guy just started following me on Twitter. I can't remember his first name. But Trump said if he was to endorse, that's who he would endorse. But he wasn't endorsing at the moment. And that guy's gone down in the polling. I assume Donald Trump wants to run again in 2024. Whoever is advising him on candidates and picks probably needs to have a do-over. Joe Biden is more unpopular in the polling right now than Donald Trump. In the public opinion polling, Joe Biden is more unpopular than Donald Trump. And yet when people are asked, who would you support in 2024? They're tied. Trump's not ahead. If Trump continues to back a bunch of people who then lose in their Republican primaries, that suggests his base is starting to fade, and there's no way for him to capitalize that on 2024. This isn't a matter of me not liking Trump or not. This is a matter of just pure political objectivity. If the president of the United States, Donald Trump, can drop into Georgia and do a massive deal trying to raise publicity for his candidate and his candidates do not win— and he does the same thing in Alabama, North Carolina, and Michigan, and Missouri, and Arizona, and the like, and his people don't win. He's got problems come 2024. And the problem isn't necessarily him. It's the people around him that he's relying on, on who to pick candidates. It was just bad. Biden's giving him ample opportunity to win, but his team needs some work. Now, One of the groups out there that is funding the conservative movement and helping advance it 
whether others can or not, is Patriot Mobile, and you can be a customer of theirs. In fact, you can move your business to Patriot Mobile, and they will give you great discounts and take a portion of their profits and give them to the conservative movement. You can even roll your existing phone number over to them. They make it very easy. They use the same cell towers everyone else uses. All you do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, and you can get free activation using my name. If you want to call them, you call 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT. That's their phone number. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. They will give you great, great rates. They will give you good discounts. They will give you fantastic service. And they will dedicate a portion of their profits to the conservative movement to advance the fight for life, the Second Amendment, and the conservative movement in general. Good people, great company, and they need and want your business. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. I don't know if you have heard, uh, but a group of degenerates uh, got together in a drug and alcohol-fueled orgy last night uh, where they gave uh, phallic-shaped gifts to people on stage. And one of the degenerates uh, decided uh, to slap one of the, the other participants at the event for making a joke about the degenerate's wife. But uh, the degenerates in the marriage have an open marriage and have openly talked about their promiscuity, particularly the wife's promiscuity, but the wife apparently has some condition where she's lost her hair. And so the comedian Chris Rock on stage Uh, made a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith being in uh, G.I. Jane Part 2, given her hairstyling, and her husband decided uh, to have an open-handed slap across the guy's face. I thought masculinity called for self-control and also um, closed-hand fists punching when it came to that. But uh, my goodness, why are we supposed to care about anything the degenerates of Hollywood do? Just don't live like them and you'll be fine. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building, you want to build a building, reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.